Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and your texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, you can call us or text us. We'd love to hear from you, love to pray for you, love to answer your questions. We'd love to talk about the Bible with you. Um, we want to say welcome to everybody who is tuning in in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. Glad you're listening today. We also want to say hi to everyone who's listening on the East Coast. We're syndicated on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the program, those of you who listen on the East Coast. And we're also syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So we're just excited to see how this show has grown and how it's reaching so many people and that we're able to connect with so many people, answer so many questions, and pray for all of your prayer requests. Just a quick reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, you are hearing this program on a one-week delay. But we would love for you to call in, and then you get the unique opportunity. You get to tune in uh, the next week, and you get to hear yourself on the radio, tell your friends about it, hear how funny your voice actually sounds on the radio. So that's a cool opportunity for you guys. But just a quick reminder that you're hearing the show on a one-week delay. We also want to give a big hello to everyone. We know there's so many of you who listen online. You know that You can listen on gracefm.com. Uh, in your web browser, you can just listen right there, click that Listen Live button right in the top left-hand corner of the site, and you can listen live on your web browser. And we also have a great mobile app, so if you don't have that yet, you should go download that, put it on your phone. The Grace FM mobile app, it's available for I iPhones and Androids, and uh, you can go on to whatever app store you use for your device, and you can search Grace FM, and you will be able to listen wherever you're at. And so I know my wife does that, and she, she listens to Grace FM all the time on her phone. It's a really cool, uh, cool app and a, a great way to keep in touch and hear good Bible teaching. So welcome wherever you're tuning in from today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And the text line is 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897. Again, if you have questions about the Bible or a prayer request, things going on in your life, we'd love to hear from you. Just a bit about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont, Colorado that loves Jesus. We love to worship the Lord and we love to study the Bible. And we're related to this Calvary Chapel family of churches as well. And I am filling in today, usually on Fridays, you have Pastor Eric Cartier uh, from Rocky Mountain Calvary down in Colorado Springs, but I am filling in for Pastor Eric today. Usually I'm your host every Monday here on Calvary Live, and um, if I just want to take the opportunity while I have you here, for those of you who are in this northern metro area or uh, Longmont Boulder area, if you are listening, I'd love to invite you to join us for worship at Whitefields. This Sunday or any Sunday, we meet at the St. Vrain Memorial Building. 
which is a kind of historic building in downtown Longmont, right? A one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. So we're right on 700 Longs Peak Avenue, downtown Longmont, right on the corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. And we are right on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park here in Longmont. So if you're in Longmont or in any of the surrounding communities, whether that's out in Frederick Firestone, Decono, or Lafayette, Erie, North Boulder, Lyons, Berthoud, we would love for you to come and worship with us. You can find out more information about us at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And if you are also interested in listening to any of our messages, they're all available on our site for free. Or if you just want more information about who we are and what we're up to, check out that website. That's whitefieldschurch.com. You can also hear me on Grace FM every weekday. I'm on at 2.30 p.m. with our show called Life in the Field, which are sermons cut for radio. And then we are also on on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So hopefully you're at church on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. But if you're not, for whatever reason... Tune into Grace FM, and our show is on at 10 a.m. So let's go ahead and go to our call-in line. We've got Andrea uh, in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Pastor Nick. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. What's up? Good. Um, so, so, okay, so I, I try to get into, like, natural healing. I try not to use a whole lot of pharmaceuticals and whatnot, just because, you know, for health reasons. Um and I've looked into herbs, essential oils, all that. So I, we met, my husband and I met a man who was Druid um, a few days ago. And because I mentioned, he mentioned essential oils, and that's, that's how the conversation came up. And so he's re- recommending this herbal store to me. And he goes, oh, it's the biggest metaphysical physical store, you know, in the Denver area or whatever. And I guess, so my question is, because he was talking about, because we were kind of asking some questions. You know, he was just talking about his religion. We were asking questions. But he was talking about how, um, he said, he said we're different. You know, the Druids branched off. They believed in many, I think it's, oh, they believe in nature. It's nature. So they, he was like, I don't, we don't believe in any kind of God to heal us. We believe in nature. So what I'm wondering is, if I'm then trying to use herbs and look into herbs and find out what heals what, Am I doing that same thing, saying, I don't believe in God to heal me, I'm going to use these things? Am I... Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. Here's kind of what I would say to you. Um, I had a lot of friends, so uh, where I used to live, I used to live in Hungary, and over there I had a lot of friends from India. It's a weird connection, but I had a lot of friends from India, and you know that a lot of Indian people are into what's called Ayurvedic medicine. Have you heard of that? Yeah, and and they're related, right? It's a very yeah. um, related type thing. Yeah, so they they were all these Indian people I knew were from the Indian state of Kerala, which a lot of people don't know. You know, a lot of people over here in the U.S. aren't real familiar with India, but there's this one state in India, South India, called Kerala, and Kerala is majority Christian, and uh, okay. there's 30 million Christians who live in Kerala. It's really really interesting. Anyway, so all all my friends from India were from Kerala. They were all Christians. And um, they they were they practiced Ayurvedic medicine in a sense, but without the Hindu underpinnings, right? So the whole okay. concept of Ayurvedic medicine does come from their culture, but it, it is tied in a way to Hinduism in the sense that um, you know it's it's supposedly handed down from the gods and discovered oh, yeah. medicine and all this stuff. And sometimes I mean, Ayurvedic it was channeled. 
that knowledge, I, and I've looked into that too, and I stayed away from it for that reason, is the knowledge was supposedly channeled, you mm-hmm. know, a, a spirit, you know, late channeling. Right. Well, and the, the way that these Christians deal with it is that they say, you know what, these are things in, in our worldview that God created the world, he created it good, and he created it for our benefit because he loves us, right? That's the Christian worldview of creation, that the world is a is a work of art which God created for our good and our benefit. And so um, it would make sense, you know, that God, if God created certain things, like they use a lot of arnica and, and other things like that, if God created these herbs that we can benefit from and they're not hallucinogenic, for example, you know, they're not changing, you're not altering your state of mind, but they're being used for he- for their healing properties. <clears throat> they would say, well, they, they take that as a, as a form of common grace, meaning a, a grace, a blessing that God has given to all people in nature and that we can use for our benefit. And we don't, and we can, we can reject all of the Hindu relations to it and we can reject all of the new age stuff that sometimes picks up on it and and goes further with it and and we can just celebrate these things and use these things uh for our health benefits without all of the underpinnings i mean i think this is related to a lot of other questions like stuff like um you know you get into people ask similar questions about like yoga for example is it possible to do yoga exercises without getting into the hindu spirituality which has traditionally been tied to it and the physicians the physicians are actually physicians too oh you're cutting out on me a little bit but um uh, yeah i know what you mean um there is it's it's traditionally been tied to uh, Hinduism, and there are some people who say, you know what, I just don't want anything to do with that. I'm just gonna keep clear of it completely, <clears throat> and not even go close to it. And I respect that conviction. I do, and I, I do think this is one of those areas where Paul the Apostle, for example, in First Corinthians, he says, if something is sin to you, then it's a sin. Like if you're if you're going against your conscience in doing this, then you shouldn't do that. You, sh- you if you are convinced that this is a sin, then don't do it. But he says to other people, he, he says, look, um, I think this, this is the same category as when Paul talks about meat sacrifice to idols in 1 Corinthians, where he says, look, if somebody stumbled by it, then I'll never eat meat again. Um, but if, if it's just up to me and I know that there's no power in these, um, you know, these gods that this meat is sacrificed to, and I know that I'm getting a sweet discount on this meat, uh, then I'm going to do it, and I'm going to have a perfectly clear conscience. But if somebody can't do it with a clear conscience, like they say, look, this is just connected to something that I don't want any part of, like I don't even want to come close to it, Paul says, I respect that, and I think that you should go with your conviction. So I guess that's where I would land with you on this, is like, hey, if you are having... Uh, you know, a conviction about this that, hey, maybe this, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, then I would say, you know, pray about that. And maybe, maybe it is something you should set aside. But if you can honestly do this with a clear conscience, which is kind of why I brought up the story about my Indian friends, is that they were able to use some of these Ayurvedic uh, insights, I guess you'd call them, into certain herbs and, and do them with a completely clear conscience, knowing that they love Jesus with their whole heart. And, uh, and so for them, I think, yeah. I, I, guess, I guess for me, like I use eucalyptus, it opens up your lungs if you're having trouble breathing. And God made the eucalyptus plant, and it just happens to have this lung-opening property. I mean, you can't mistake it. So, 
maybe that'd be silly to be like, well, because other people use this for a bad purpose, I'm not going to use it, you know, and I'm going to use something that actually might be harmful to me instead. Right. Yes. I, I, I think that there's something to what you're saying there. It's, it's like this. Paul actually says this at one point. He says, there is nothing which unto itself is sinful, meaning no object which unto itself is sinful. So like, for example, is money sinful? Well, you can do sinful things with money, but money itself is neutral, right? A knife, like I can use a knife to cut my children's dinner or I can use a knife to stab somebody, um, right. right? So um, I think that you can use those herbs in a way that glorifies God and, and is even thankful to God. And I guess this, this is something that's been kind of nagging at me and it's it's been really hard is why... Why do we have to go to the pagans to find these answers? You know, it's just unfortunate. Like, I have a health problem I've been praying about for a long time, and I've just been trying to do what I can, you know, and I just, it's like, where's God? Like, why do all these pagan cultures have, have the answers, you know, so to speak, but yet, God hasn't given, why, why not the Christians? Why don't the Christians have these knowledge? Why do we have to go to the Druids and the New Agers and the Ayurvedic? You know you know what I'm saying? Why do we have to go to them for those things? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think if you would really trace this historically, you would find that uh, Christianity did encourage the development of medicine. Now, you could you could argue whether or not medicine got out of hand with uh, with some of its things that it did. You know, it became something yeah. but i mean even if you look at the general practice of medicine in the west did develop and was encouraged by the christian church so i i do think there is something and you know a lot of that is just taking herbs and things which occur naturally and especially that's okay. how it began um mm -hmm. and making medicines out of them so i do think that you do find that again like this is what uh, theologically we would put this under the category of common grace meaning that this is like like common grace is like when it says in the bible that god causes the rain to fall on the on the wicked and the just right like right. so there are some things that god in his mercy because you know rain for people living in the middle east was not uh, a bummer it was a blessing and so there's these yeah. there's these blessings that god has generally given to all people apart from uh you know what we call special revelation or um yeah that kind of grace which is when god yeah. speaks like through the bible so there are general revelation and general grace that God has given to um, to all people. And so that's why we see these things occurring in different cultures. Okay, interesting, even though these cultures claim to have channeled them from spirits. Right, yeah, and, and I don't know, maybe, that, maybe some of them did, but... Um, I think theologically as Christians we would say no these are these are there are some beneficial things that they have gotten um yeah. you know what I'm saying distinction between, um, you know, I guess I'm not sure the, the exact term, but psychoactive drugs, you know, like things that do change your, your state of mind, things that do cause you to hallucinate. I do uh, make a distinction there for sure. I think the Bible speaks clearly on those things that they're to be avoided. 
So. No, I'm, I'm speaking of medicinal herbs. Right, right. No, I'm tracking with you, but I'm just saying that, you know, some of these historic cultures, you know, the pagan cultures have used psychoactive drugs in order to connect with, um, have used psychoactive drugs in order to connect with, with their deities. In those cases, I would say some of that is very demonic. So Andrea, it looks like your call dropped. Um, so thank you for the question. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got one open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's go to Jody in Evergreen, Colorado. Hi, Jody. Welcome to the show. Jody, are you there? Okay. Maybe we'll put Jody back on hold, and let's go to Chris in Baltimore, Maryland. Hey, Chris. Hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm just calling to talk about the hardening of the heart, you know, that, that young lady that called about the farewell and all that. Yeah, you know, I just I just say this. I am you. You're hearing a show on a one week delay, just so you know, uh, because you're syndicated over there on the East Coast. So maybe you could give me a little bit of background about what you what Pastor Eric was talking about last week. Uh, I'm Pastor Nick, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. Well, she was, she just wanted to know, um, you know, God being a loving God and why He hardened the Pharaoh's heart in the Old Testament, and I just wanted to say a few things about that. God did that just to show his glory and to show Pharaoh himself for the hardening of his heart. And another thing i like to just to make a comment about the heart in the heart and how one can discern it is that when a heart is hardened, one loses his innocence. Hmm. This is... It's pretty profound. If you look at the heart as a light, I mean, okay, it's like a light covered, right? And through that light, you know, like light rays shine through it. And what it shines through is the nature of God, which is the fullness of love. And when this heart becomes hardened, it is harder for that light to shine through. Oh. Chris, sounds like you're. Oh, there you are. Sure, yeah, you know, Chris, uh, one of my favorite uh, examples of this is found in Second Corinthians chapter four, where Paul says that you know we have this light of the glory of God in jars of clay. So he's saying in these physical bodies that we have, and one of the, and I, I think that there's a direct correlation in there that he's making. Paul does this a lot. He'll allude in his examples to Old Testament stories. And, you know, was there a time in the Bible where there was a light that was kept in a jar of clay? And there actually was. And it was in the story of Gideon. And so the story of Gideon, you remember that God sent him to go fight the Midianites. And Gideon got this army, several thousand people together. And then God said, no, you've got too many people. Your army's too powerful, which sounds crazy. Like, why would you ever say that? It, how can an army ever be too powerful, right? Like, especially... If you're going to risk your neck, you know, you're probably one of the most powerful army you can get. But anyway, God says, no, I'm, I want to do something. I'm, I want to show my glory. And so he says, you know, reduce the size of the army. So he, you remember they do the thing with the lapping up of the water and the, the, all of that. 
And so God reduces the size of the army and he tells him, hey, and you also should tell the people who are scared to just go home. So he does and a bunch of people go home. And then uh, what happens? He sends them by night and what they have in their hands. In the one hand, they have a sword. In the other hand, they have a, uh, a jar of clay and they have inside that jar of clay, they have a torch. And so what they do is they all go light these torches and then put the put these jars over the top or they put the torches in the jars. And then what happens is they, they surround the Midianite camp. They're on like a little hill. And then he says, okay, Gideon says, okay, when I give the word, there's 300 of them, right? Against like 10,000 Midianites. And he says, okay, when I give the word, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to smash those jars of clay and it will reveal the bright light which is held within them. And then I want you to shout, you know, the name, in the name of the Lord and, and for Gideon. And, and so that's what they do. You know, he gives the word. They smash these jars and it reveals the bright light within it. And then, you know, what happens is the Midianites are thrown into confusion to the point where the Israelites don't even have to fight them because the Midianites fight themselves and destroy themselves. And so, but I think it's so cool because Paul is actually very quickly and very interestingly making allusion to that story and he's saying hey remember that time when Gideon had these these lights inside those clay jars he goes that's a picture of us we have the light of the glory of God inside of us inside of these earthly bodies if we have the Holy Spirit in us and and here's the kind of application that I think should be made and that Paul's alluding to and it applies to what you're saying is that sometimes in order for that light that's within us, the light of the glory of God, to shine forth for other people to see, sometimes we have to be broken. And as you're talking about hardening, you know, that's one thing that happens as we get hard, is that sometimes when with the hardening, sometimes God in his mercy and in his grace will break us. But that brokenness allows his glory to shine through. So, Well, for the harden of the heart, which is caused by sin, which the world will look as trauma, will take that light away through the hardness. See, where that light and clay and all that, the reference of it, it starts from God created man out of dirt, and out of dirt he was created. He came from the dirt. That is the jar, the vessel. Then God breathed into it and gave him the spirit. The spirit came from God and is of God. That is the light of God within the man or within the jar. But because of the, and what does the spirit does? It expresses. So it expresses the mind of God through the body, and through their actions, God can be known, be witnessed for one's actions. But sin entered, and how? And what happened? Everything changed. Now the spirit no longer is it's cut off from God because of sin no longer expresses the mind of God, but it expresses the mind of self. Mm. Yeah, I think that, that's right, Chris. I think, I think you're on the right track. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go, and uh, thank you for calling in and uh, expressing that. I think you're on the right track, man. And, and I would just leave you with this thought, which is this, that the Bible warns us against hardening our hearts, because what happens as you harden your heart is that you become calloused. And, you know, if you've ever learned to play the guitar, you know what it's like. Or if you, you know, swung a hammer or did anything that caused you to get calluses. For some people, it's sewing. Whatever it is that you do that causes you to get callous. One thing that happens as you continually harden something, at first you feel 
Like it, it, when you first learn to play the guitar, right? I remember learning to play the guitar. My fingers would sometimes bleed. Like it would be painful. I would feel it. But after a while, you keep doing that same behavior. And I think this is true of what you're saying, hardening your heart. And what happens is that you, your heart, eventually, you just stop feeling. And, uh, and that can be a very dangerous place to be when you're rejecting what God wants, rejecting what God says. And you just get to this point where you're hard and then you no longer feel it anymore. You don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's a very dangerous place to be, scary place to be. And, uh, and the problem is that you, you're no longer even feeling. You don't even feel that you're doing something wrong or feel that you're going far away from the Lord because you've just gotten so hard. And the Bible would say that you can actually get to the point where where you, there's no coming back, where, where you have actually committed what's called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, where you're denying the Holy Spirit to the point where you've gone over the Rubicon, so to say, like you've gone you've gone so far and there's no coming back and and uh, and you've committed that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and rejecting the Lord. So that just be a warning for all of us. Like with Pharaoh, that's a perfect example of that process. Let us read the story of Pharaoh. Let us read these things in the Bible and let us say, God, don't let me get to that place. And God, if I am at that place where I become so hard, well then, Lord, would you, in your mercy, you know, maybe I need to be broken a little bit. Maybe this person I know needs to be broken a little bit so that you can work in their life. Thank you for calling, Chris. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. We're coming up on our three-minute, we're coming up on our two-minute break in a couple minutes here, but uh, we have two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Annie in Galena, Maryland. Hi, Annie. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. Have, What's up? Um, I have a couple of questions. I... I'm a new Christian. That's I say awesome. new. I'm very shaky on the legs of it, but mm. feeling and have been feeling extremely strong in the faith of it. Um, I've led a broken life, not drugs, alcohol, anything like that, just a really hard emotional life. Mm. And even though I'm up in age and listening to Christian radio for the last couple of years, I became extremely fascinated and saw, because of Christian radio, I saw the relation of the Bible to real life. Um, That said, and in feeling that I was saved for a whole great big reason that I'm not going to go into, but I feel very strong in that, and I feel very strong in the Christian faith now, I still have a problem with the logical aspects of it, such as, you know, Mary being a virgin, um, things like that. When that happens, I start feeling anxious, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Why am I, you know, why can't I accept those things? Because I guess I'm not understanding, and it seems to be like a, a wall that goes up, and then I feel anxious, and then I feel guilty, and then I feel scared. And I don't want to feel like that. I, I guess I need to have more faith in those types of things that are in the Bible uh, because I have a very logical mind, and that's probably something that millions of people feel. Mm-hmm. The weird thing is that I feel like I've been saved, and I know that it's in my heart, and I know that it happened. And I 
but this, why, why is this happening? Why do I feel like I'm wavering when those thoughts cross my mind? Like, how could that be? Is this true? And as soon as I think, is this true? I start feeling guilty and anxious and all of it. Mm. I get right back on track, but I keep pushing that aside and it's bothering me. Do you have an answer for any of that or a solution for I, any of that? I do. I do. I actually would love to speak into that, but I'm going to need you to hang on through the break. Is that okay? Can you hang on for two minutes? Because we, sure. we've come up on our half show break. Thanks. Sure. Hey, you are listening to Calvary Live. We are going to be right back after this break. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. So glad you tuned in today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. And we will be back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Let's go back to a caller we were talking to right before the break. Her name was Annie in Maryland. Hey, Annie, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, hey, thanks for holding through the break. Hey, so your question had been, you know, that you you believe, but sometimes you have trouble when you face things that seem to be, to you maybe, they seem to contradict logic. So, for example, things like the virgin birth uh, you mentioned. And exactly. you asked if I could speak into that. And here's what I would tell you. That Annie, what you're experiencing is completely normal, and it's very common for Christians. And in fact, I would almost say, I wouldn't say it's unhealthy to not have those things, but I would say it's absolutely normal to have those kinds of doubts. And I would tell you that there are two kinds of doubt. Okay, there's the kind of doubt that says that's kind of a scoffing doubt. That's basically like, you know, this is dumb, and I don't care. And then there's another kind of doubt that says, Hey, look, I am open to believing. I just have some honest and sincere questions that and I want exactly to have my it. questions <laughs> answered. And I got to tell you that God does not uh, look down on that kind of doubt at all. And I, I give you one really quick example of that. We see that in the life of Abraham and Sarah, right? So Abraham and Sarah had been given this promise that they were going to have a baby, but then 10 years went by and then we meet them again. And you could see that they're, they've, They've been struggling because, hey, 10 years ago, they were supposed to have a baby. They haven't gotten any younger. They weren't even able to have a baby at the time when God told them they were going to. But now they're definitely not able. And you see the two reactions. This messenger comes from God and says, hey, you know, God's still going to give you a baby. And Sarah's reaction is that she laughs, but not in a ha-ha funny way. She laughs in a scoffing way, like a really negative way. And, And God is upset by that. And he has grace on her, by the way. And in the irony of the whole thing is that they end up, they child, and they end up naming the child laughter, which is very, you know, kind of redemptive thing that God's saying, hey, you laughed about this. And they're saying, yeah, we did laugh about this. We scoffed at the idea, but God, now you had the last laugh, essentially is what they're saying. But anyway, Sarah's laughing was a kind of mocking laughter, scoffing laughter. But Abraham also asked the question. He asked God, but God, how can I be sure? Because you promised this, and I'm still waiting, and I'm not getting any younger. And God doesn't 
actually get mad at Abraham at all. In fact, he, he actually gives Abraham an answer to his question. He says, okay, I'm going to help you so that you can know that I'm for sure and that I'm going to come through on this. My point is this. It actually says in the book of Jude, which is the smallest, you know, it's the last epistle in the New Testament before the book of Revelation. It says, have mercy on those who doubt. And so it's okay to have honest doubts. But here's the thing. When you have those doubts, just know that there are, there are really good answers to some of those questions. Um, right now in our church, we've been doing a six-week series. This week, this Sunday will be uh, week five out of six. And we're doing a series based on this very topic. What if I, you know, what if I have questions? Like it's called The Trouble Is. And so we go through the things. We pulled our church and, and people who aren't Christians and said, hey, what are the things that cause the biggest stumbling blocks for you when it comes to Christianity, the biggest hurdles? And, you know, people said the Bible. Some said because Christians, the way they act. Some Christians are hypocrites. Some people all said science. All in all, it's, it's the logic that people have problems with because we've been educated that those things are extremely in the supernatural realm, right? basically. Um, for if that were to happen today to a neighbor or anything, I'd say, how can that even be? Right, so, and that was that know, was one of our topics was science. Stumbling block. I'm glad to know that you're telling me that I can relax a little bit, not feel so guilty, not feel like I'm going off the path, and and not, you know, feeling scared because mm-hmm. I don't want to lose this. I want to further this. I want to learn more. I want to further and strengthen my faith. Yeah, and you know, I'm glad to know that you're saying that. It you know it it's understood, but to you know I, I still have a problem with it, and I don't. Once in a while, when it creeps in, it really bothers me. Well, I'll give you just one other tool here, and this is something which you know in the scholarly circles they call this theological reasoning, but you could also just think of it as logic, right? That's all this is. So here's what it means: is that you know, if you think about this logically, like let's just work from the ground up, okay? Is there a God? Everything points to the fact that there is, in fact, a intelligent designer, okay? If there was a God, would he want to communicate with us? Well, if he went to all this trouble of creating us and making the world the place that, that will be for us, then, yeah, it would make sense that he'd want to communicate with us, okay? If he was going to communicate with us, how would he do that? Well, it would make sense even for him to give us something written because written things can be traced as to whether or not they've changed over time. Okay, and here's another one. He would he'd probably want to come to us himself and introduce himself to us, and that's what we have in the person of Jesus. Now, if God were to come to earth, um, that would be a very supernatural thing. In fact, the very act of creation was a supernatural thing. It wasn't right, something right, that just came right, about right. through natural processes. That right, is so, something I hold on to, and I try to further it, but I still get hung up sometimes, and then I feel bad about that, and I feel scared about that. I don't want to mm-hmm. lose this over things that my mind keeps putting up this brick wall with the logic that it's it's just hard to do. Sure. I guess what I'm telling you is that I do think there is, it is logical to believe in something that is supernatural. And it sounds like you already have, have come to that conclusion to some degree yourself. And I would just encourage you to, to keep thinking in those terms. If there's a God who can create things out of nothing, 
I was mm. never raised to understand anything about the Bible. When I was a child, once in a while, you know, my parents would go to church on Easter. I would dress up. We colored men. When I was a little girl, we colored men in weird robes, and they just looked scary, and I, nobody really explained what it was about, and and that was it for me. Mm. But, you know, somewhere in, in, in the middle of being, you know, in my middle 50s, and actually listening to a Christian radio show and it correlating to me, I, I just, I couldn't get enough of it. And that's been going on for a couple of years. That's great. Hey, can I ask you a question? Have you gotten involved with a fellowship of Christians? Like I a church? have not. Uh, I would really I encourage have, you to do that. And I know that. you've heard this a thousand times. You know, the, the hypocritical thing, this, that, and the other, and I'm not really a people person. And then that makes me feel guilty because that <laughs> is not good probably. <laughs> well, I don't but want you to feel I, guilty, but I, I do want to encourage you that that would be really helpful for you. It would be helpful for you to get in. The, and I wouldn't, I would say, look for a church that really studies the Bible. And, uh, and I'm sure that our producer, you, after you know we get off the line. Thing and you saying that is that over the last couple of weeks, for the very first time, I have started to think that myself. It kept coming to me. You know, you have to maybe go into a church and try a church. Just go in there. Just just do it. Make that first—and I kept thinking that. And the weird thing was, that is not something I've ever wanted to do. I always felt you could be a Christian without a church, but then it made sense when I started hearing about the church being the body of Christ and how it's a good thing, this, that, and the other. And the weird thing is— at that time, when I was questioning that so much, is when it kept occurring to me. I kept getting this feeling: you've got to go to church. You got to, you know, you've got to check out some churches. Mm -hmm. That's the weird thing because those kinds of things have been happening for two years. Right as I'm at the point of doubting things or feeling a little bit shaky, something comes to me. And then it's a weird thing because I feel that's coming from something, wow. like some internal thing telling me something. It's a weird thing. Yeah, and it, well, it keeps correlating. It keeps correlating to my life. Our our explanation as Christians would be that that would be the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is in you now that you've put your faith in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is leading you into God's will. When I felt like I was saved, truly for a, a whole other conversation, these things never have stopped since. These mm. inner things that keep occurring to me right at about the time when those things would probably be helpful, like you just mentioned, about going to church. It's been on my mind for weeks. Okay. Lot. Well, hey, Annie, I have some... that never was in me before. I have some other callers I need to get to, but I really appreciated our time together, and I'd like to pray for you before you go. So, okay. Heavenly Father, I pray for Annie. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is working in her life. I pray that you would lead her and help her find a good church that studies the Bible and is going to help her also work through some of these questions she has. And, and I pray, Lord, that she would have those things, Lord, that your Spirit would continue to work in her life. And I thank you for the great work of Christian Radio and the station that she's listening on. I pray that you continue their work and bless it. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Andy. Thank you for calling in. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. Let's go to... 
Jen in Thornton, Colorado. Hey, Jen. Hey, Pastor Nick. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for holding. What's up? Yeah, I have a quick question. So I was listening earlier today, um, and they were speaking about marriage and divorce. And just a quick question, um, Matthew 5, uh, 32. The second okay. part of, of that uh, passage says that, and, who, and whosoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Mm-hmm. So just a quick question. Um, was I was married for 18 years and uh, working on five years of divorce. Uh, this was before I was a believer. Um, and I'm a baby believer, so I'm still trying to figure some of these things out. But um, since uh, since my life in Christ, I've met a new man who also follows um, with Christ. And we've, you know, explored uh, engagement and marriage and things like that. And I guess I'm just uh, curious how this how this passage would concern me. Yeah, so um, can I uh, give you one thing? Um, mm-hmm. Were you... When, how long have you been a Christian? Um, almost two years, a year and a half. Okay. Yeah, I think there, there's two factors in here of what I would say. So I would say on the one hand, I think there is a difference between when you become a Christian and getting married as a Christian versus uh, having not been a Christian before. So I think that's mm-hmm. one factor. Um, the other the other thing is, can you remarry? I, I do think that you can. Um and I think that this falls into the category of uh, the fact that you are not married. And um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you, you're going to be looking at what Paul says, like in 1 Corinthians 5 through 7, where he's talking about marriage and remarriage. And, um, yeah, so this passage in Matthew, um, you know, it's, it's debated amongst Christians as to what exactly it means. Uh, and I, I've heard different people take different stances on it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, here's what we know, that God doesn't uh, like divorce. But here's the other mm-hmm. thing, is that you already are divorced. And so when right. when you talk about, like, like your question isn't, should I get divorced? Your question is, hey, I'm walking with the Lord, and I met this guy, and we want to get married. And I think that falls under the purview of, like, 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul says, hey, it's better for you to get married than it is to burn with passion. Right. Furthermore, um, you know, marriage is a picture of Christ in the church and a very important one. You know, in marriage, uh, you are saying, look, what Jesus did and for the church, that's the kind of relationship that I want to live in with this other person, right? So he sacrificially loved, he submitted to the Father. You know, he, uh, it says in Ephesians 5, you know, that he washed her with the water of the word to present her pure. So I guess that's my, I, I'm going to say, I think, you know, if you guys are walking with the Lord, and, uh, and like I said, you're already divorced, uh, I think that you can get married. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, this is definitely a, a different type of relationship. Uh, Christ is first in our relationship. And so uh, I was just kind of curious at how that last part of the, it just said that, you know, if, if anyone who remarries that woman is committing adultery, you know, if she had been divorced. Right. Yeah. There's a there's an interpretation of that which I've heard, which I, and and I'm not, I'm not totally sure that I, uh, that I am a hundred percent on board with it. But I'll give it to you, and maybe it'll help you out. So, okay. and uh, so here's here's what it, this person was saying. This was uh, a guy named John Piper who was saying this, and he was reading this, and he was saying, you know, when we read this passage, if you look at this and you look at marriage as a picture of the gospel, 
right? So a person mm -hmm. who has been divorced in a way, um, you know, obviously divorce is a sin in the Bible. And it mm -hmm. says that, um, you know, so you have this person who then is willing to marry somebody at risk of taking on sin themselves, right? Because that's what it says there in Matthew. And he says, well, mm -hmm. isn't that a picture of what Jesus did in order to sanctify us, that he took us on in our uncleanness? So say, and I, I don't, I hope you don't take offense at that. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. So he takes us on in our uncleanness and he asks us to be his bride in order to purify us and sanctify us. And he said, and so, in this kind of case where like what you're describing where somebody's walking with the Lord and can I marry this person? He would say that he thinks it's actually uh, a picture of the gospel to do something okay. like that. So, all right. um, like I said, I, I'm not sure I've thought through all the implications of that interpretation, but I, I do generally agree with what he's getting at. Okay, great. That's helpful. Cool. All right. Well, God bless you. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Hey, if you are in the Longmont area, I would love to invite you to join us for Worship and the Word this coming Sunday or any Sunday at Whitefields Community Church. You can find out more information as well as our location and everything at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our next caller, uh, Marcella in Maryland. Hi there. Hi. Um, just, uh, I'm sure you've discussed this before. Now, I believe in Jesus Christ and God, of course, okay? And, um, I, I, is it this, is it a fact that Jesus knows what we're going to, we always have free will and a decision. Is it a fact that he knows what we're going to do before we do it? Or not? Yes, he does. That's called okay. foreknowledge. So, yes, okay. I do believe okay. that he does. Because mm -hmm. that leads me, if he knows, and Satan was the angel, okay, that turned against him, then God knew that this angel was going to turn against him, and that we here on earth was going to be tempted, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. This is the part that I have trouble with. Uh, yeah. Is uh, I understand free will. We don't want to be robots and just you know do. But he knew Satan was going to turn, and he knew that harm was going to come. Yes. I I have trouble dealing with that. Although I do love the Lord deeply. Um, can you explain that? Yeah, or, you know, actually, this is the. You can't because I tell you, I. I've been to many churches. I've also been to the Calvary Baptist Church here in Maryland. I've been to many churches. And um, I don't like hop, skipping, and jumping to churches, but I do believe in you going one where they, you know you're at the right one at that time, okay? okay. And that you get the message. But I have trouble with this. Okay. Well... I don't know if I'm going to be able to give you an answer that satisfies you, but I'm going to try and give you a biblical answer, okay? Here's what I'm going to 
tell you, and I, I think that this is this is actually a funny thing. This is what I'm preaching on this coming Sunday at my church. I mentioned that we're doing this series where we're addressing some of the big questions, big obstacles that people have when it comes to faith. This Sunday, we're talking about the issue of suffering and evil. And there was a philosopher, Scottish philosopher in the 20th century named David Hume. And here's what David Hume said. It's very much along the lines of what you're saying. Now, he was a humanist. He was not a Christian. And he said this. He said, the problem, the existence of evil and suffering in the world is a big problem for Christians. And here's why. He says, because number because it leaves you with three options about God, right? Because the Bible says God is sovereign, means that he's all-powerful. It, secondly, it says that God is good and loving. And, and then thirdly, of course, it says there is a God, right? So it leaves us with three options because of the existence of evil and suffering in the world. Option number one, it means that God would like to stop evil, and yet he can't which means in that case god is not all powerful he is impotent in other words he 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 lacks the strength uh the second option is that god can stop evil and chooses not to in which case david hume said in that case god is not good he is malevolent or you know the opposite of of good and then he said the third option is that there just is no god right and so the question is, is he correct in that logic? Because there are a lot of people, and, and it sounds like you're even kind of following that logic, and this is a very common logic. Well, and and here, God is all love. Yes. Uh, and I, I think God is love, and I can understand why he, he, he had to bring his son to die on the cross for us. I understand that, although sometimes I think I'm not worthy of him dying for me. Mm. But... Uh, I, I I don't go with that those three logical things. That's why I can't understand it because God is love. Right. To me, so, God is love. So if He is so loving, which I believe in my soul and my every thought of my being, then and He is an all-knowing that Satan would do this. This is the part that's hard. I, you know, he's boss, is how I put it. Oh. So I have to accept whatever he does. Okay. Well, let, let me, let me uh, try and answer this for you a little bit. And like I said, my answer may not be emotionally satisfying for you, but I do believe it's biblical. And here's what it's going to be. Is that our definition, your definition and my definition, of what constitutes goodness and love that does not necessarily mean that our definition is correct. What it means is that here's the thing that David Hume forgot about. He, in his second, his second point where he said that if God is good and loving, well, he said this, if God can stop evil and he doesn't, that therefore God is not good and loving. And I think that's where he falls short because is God all-powerful? Yes, the Bible says. Is God also good and loving? Yes, then why doesn't he stop evil? Well, that gets into a third thing that David Hume didn't think about, which is this. God is also all-knowing, and it gets into another one that I'll add, and that is this, that God has purposes, which he doesn't always explain to us, nor does he have to. And and God's ultimate purpose is his greatest glory and our greatest good. Okay, and so sometimes... Uh, we think our definition of goodness doesn't always line up. So, for example, in the book of Job, this, uh, you know, that's the oldest book of the Bible, chronologically, the first one ever written, and it deals with this question of evil and suffering in the world and why it exists. 
basically here's how it goes. Something really bad happens to Job. And then he has conversations with his friends for a while about why it happened. And they say, well, we all know good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. So Job, you must be a bad person. We thought you were a good person, but it seems like you must have some skeletons in the closet that we didn't know about. And Job says, no, I don't. No, really, I am a good person. And they go back and forth until finally God interrupts them himself and says to Job, Job, hey, look, here's how it works. First of all, it doesn't work that I give that that good people earn good things and bad people earn bad things. It's not a merit system. But here's the other thing. I'm doing something in the world and I don't always have to explain myself to you as to why I do the things I do. But here's what I want you to know. I absolutely am working out my plans, which will be for my ultimate glory and for your ultimate good. And I want you to trust me in it. And what's crazy is that at the end of Job actually finds rest in this. And that's a model for us that, that God is saying, look, there is evil in the world. I've allowed it for a purpose and I'm doing something good. And ultimately I'm going to bring about redemption and it's going to bring about great glory for me. And it's going to be, bring about the ultimate good for those who have put their faith in me. And Again, like I said, that may not be emotionally satisfying for you, but it is absolutely biblical. And I do believe that if you accept that, you will get to the place that Job got to, where he said, I can actually rest in that. I can rest in knowing that you are all-knowing, all-powerful. And at the end of time, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Revelation, where we see this great multitude standing before the throne, and they say, Righteous and true are your judgments, O God. These are the people who have seen everything, and now they're standing in heaven. Some of them were even killed for their faith. And they say, Mm -hmm. God, now that we have your perspective, we declare righteous and true are all of your judgments. I'm going to need to let you go because we have two more callers I'd like to get to. But God bless you, and I I pray that God would give you uh, peace in knowing that. So you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're going to try and get these last two callers before the end of the show. Let's go to David in Westminster, Colorado. Hey, David. Hi, Pastor Nick. God bless you. Thanks for taking my call. Good to hear from you. What's up? Uh, quick question. Uh, well, not. I'm going to make it quick because of the time, but uh, just my, my question is based off of Matthew uh, 17, 21, mm-hmm. where Jesus' disciples were not able uh, to uh, deliver the demon-possessed boy, to remove the demon from him. Okay. And, and, Jesus, and Jesus does, and he tells them that it was because of lack of prayer and, and, and fasting. Uh, my question is, nowadays, how, how do we distinguish between the diagnosis of a demon-possessed case, uh, how, to, how to act in prayer or, or in that manner, or because one of the in the version, my question came up because in the version that I was reading, it came up as uh, epilepsy actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be kind of like translated into you know a medical diagnosis. Right. Uh, and how do we as Christians act in those in those circumstances as far as distinguishing between one or the other, or is there even a difference? There's uh, a, no, I think there is a difference, and I think that it is a a very you know it's not black and white. It's not really easy to say, you know, and. Um, you know, is this a medical diagnosis that a person has, or is this a um, a demon, demonic thing? Maybe there is probably a gray area where there's a little bit of both, right? Where it's a little bit of, it's a demonic thing that's causing some kind of physical uh, problem. I think there is room for that. Uh, the, the thing I would tell you is that we want to be just very prayerful about that. We want to ask God to give us discernment. Um, and And I think that we just want to, we, I think that we want to treat things 
in both ways, right? So you're going to want to pray for God to deliver people from things, and you're going to want to pray for, and, and then you're going to also in, encourage people to to get medical help when they need medical help. So it, I, I've had that same thought many times. And I will tell you that I think that in our day and age, there are times when we do uh, point people to medical solutions as opposed to spiritual ones. Uh, because that's just the way that we think in our culture. That's the automatic thing that we go to. And I think that y what you bring up is a very good check and balance for us that we need to consider for ourselves. Oh, okay. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Yeah, that. God bless you. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. You are listening to Calvary Live. We are now in the last two minutes, within the last two minutes of our show. I'm going to go ahead and pray for a prayer request here. And then um, we're going to close out the show. So we got a prayer request texted in. A person said, I'm in need of prayer because my husband and I have been struggling with infertility. And we're doing in, in vitro fertilization, IVF. Uh, and we need prayer that our next IVF cycle will be successful. So let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we pray for this couple. And, uh, and Lord, we pray for all the couples listening who say, you know what, we're, we're struggling with uh, infertility or, or just not being able to have children for other reasons. Lord, we know that children are a blessing from you. Uh, and I pray for this couple, Lord. Um, truly, this is in your hand if this cycle will be successful. And Lord, we ask that uh, by your grace and according to your will, Lord, this uh, in vitro fertilization cycle will be successful for this couple. Lord, we pray for other couples who are struggling with infertility. Lord, we pray that they would find their fulfillment, their, their fullness in you and in nothing else, Lord. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out at whitefieldschurch.com. And you can tune in to Calvary Live every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. And I'll be with you on Monday. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.